its flavor caught in the closed fist of a bean. The Outline World Dispatch. Thursday, June 22nd, 2017. I'm Rollin Bishop. Today on The Dispatch, I talk with the proprietor of GoFraudMe. People were giving a lot of money to, you know, help this cat. Jeffy Haza looks at chart changes. The move is a welcome correction to a practice that allowed record labels to effectively game the system with chart-topping playlists. And William Turton weighs in on Uber. Can we use Uber again? Um, well, it really depends on how you feel about the company. Here's the dispatch. The future. In early 2015, a cat in Florida named Bart was hit by a car and supposedly rose from the grave. The story about the zombie cat spread far and wide, and somebody quickly set up a page on the crowdfunding site GoFundMe to pay Bart's mounting medical bills. Except there were no bills to pay. Adrian Gonzalez is the publisher behind GoFraudMe, a blog about GoFundMe scams started after the Bart incident. GoFundMe says misuse accounts for less than 0.1% of all campaigns. But Gonzalez regularly covers campaigns that fit the bill, often several times a week. So I spoke with her about BART, GoFundMe scams, and how to avoid them. So first and foremost, uh, who are you and what do you do? So my name is Adrian Gonzalez. Uh, I'm publisher of GoFraudMe.com, which was founded in April of 2016. I wanted to create a more centralized resource um, for reporters, for people to kind of educate themselves, you know, on these issues and make better decisions with their money and things like that. And what types of trends are you seeing with GoFundMe fraud? Um, Tragedies. People have been doing that, um, you know, as far as I've been tracking it. Um, But I think it's got it's worse in the fact that there are just so many tragedies making it, you know, there's so many opportunities for people to kind of scam. So would you say that these sort of uh, fraudulent GoFundMe campaigns are tied to the news cycle? Basically, whatever's in the news pops up as fraudulent campaigns? Well, some of them certainly are. I think that people see news stories um, and, you know, they immediately see an opportunity to create a campaign and, and, you know, capitalize sort of off a tragedy. Um, I think in some cases people are well-meaning that it's not necessarily fraud but they just didn't have authorization to put up a campaign. You see that a lot with, like, fallen officers. Now, how stupid you would have to be to, you know, create a fake fundraiser for the police is another story. But some of these tragedy ones, it's not a matter of outright fraud. It's more people sort of overstepping, wanting to be the hero, and creating these campaigns before they even know, you know, the full sort of breadth of the situation. Now, was there a specific fraudulent campaign that sort of put you down this path? There, there was. Um, I don't know if you remember a couple of years back, but there was a story out of Florida. Um, Bart the zombie cat. Doesn't ring a okay, bell. Well, down in Florida where things, you know, strange things tend to happen, um, there was a story of this cat. You can barely tell what Bart the cat went through just from looking at him today. This cat had a spirit like no other and he was determined to live. Who had supposedly been hit by a car Um, His owner thought he had died, and so they buried him. He was presumed dead and buried. Five days later, Bart clawed out of his grave, earning the nickname Zombie Cat. So the neighbor um, put up a GoFundMe for his medical bills. People were giving a lot of money to, you know, help this cat who 
he had, I think he had like a broken leg. He needed an eye removed, things like that. Well, the entire time, the cat, once he supposedly rose from the grave, the Humane Society ended up paying all of his medical bills. So the GoFundMe, you know, was fraudulent. So we brought this to GoFundMe, um, and they did not take it down. It stayed up until September of last year. Um, Bart was involved in a custody situation. The, the owner wanted him back. Um, the Humane Society said that, you know, it was abuse, what they did. They found that they had buried him in a shallow grave. They found video that proved they knew he was still alive when they, quote, unquote, buried him. Um, and so in September of last year, the courts gave the Humane Society custody of Bart. So that was, at that point, the, the campaign organizer who made like six grand off of this, um, she took her GoFundMe down. Now, this was just the first sort of run-in you had with them. Have they responded better since then? I assume you've reported other things. I mean, yeah, I think they <laughs> it's funny because in hindsight, I'm sure they wish they had <laughs> done the right thing with that campaign because maybe I wouldn't be here doing this now. Um, I know that people have certainly gotten better responses from them over the years. There are still several cases where, you know, they just will not take things down in the last year, especially last 18 months, you know, it's, I, there's a news story every other day or at least, you know, a couple of weeks. So it is in their best interest to take down campaigns like that if they get enough reports. What would your advice be to Joe public about how to avoid GoFundMe fraud? Well, so the biggest thing, I mean, if somebody messages you out of the blue and says, you know, Hey, my sister died, you know, whatever sob story, so-and-so has cancer, whatever, that's, almost always a red flag. I would never donate to somebody who just randomly reached out. The second thing, though, is that, you know, be skeptical. Um, but, you know, if it just doesn't feel right, then just don't give. Um, I tell people run images through uh, Google reverse image search to see if, you know, they pop up on some other website. Um, and it's unfortunate that, you, you know, I have to say that, but, you know, you can't take people at face value. Thank you so much. Okay, have a good day. You too. Bye. Bye. Culture. Policy change. Starting this week, Billboard will no longer count streams or sales of individual tracks towards various artist compilations. Those include compilations like the Epic AF playlist from Epic Records, which updates every week with the biggest tracks from artists on the label. The move is a welcome correction to a practice that allowed record labels to effectively game the system with chart-topping playlists. The change came as Universal Music's compilation, Summer Latin Hits 2017, began to appear in the Top 200 Albums chart, thanks to the inclusion of hits like Luis Fonzi's Despacito. Billboard explained the change in a post this week, quote, Now, most various artists' compilation albums will only be able to chart on the Billboard 200 and other consumption-ranked album charts based on traditional album sales. In the latest tracking week, neither Epic AF or Summer Latin Hits 2017 sold enough in traditional album sales to rank on the Billboard 200, end quote. The move appears only to affect the label-driven playlists that update with new hits. Billboard said that movie soundtracks and thematic albums will not be affected. The future. Uber CEO Travis Kalanick resigned Tuesday as calls for his ouster reached a fever pitch. But outline writer William Turton is skeptical that Uber is suddenly better now. Hi, William. Hey, what's up? Not much. What is 
going on with Uber exactly? So Uber's been stuck in a lot of controversy in the past few months ever since uh, one of its ex-employees wrote a blog post about sexual harassment at the company. Um, And since then, there's been many other revelations about Uber. There's been an internal investigation. And eventually that investigation resulted in the CEO, Travis Kalanick, saying that he was going to take a leave of absence. But now shareholders of Uber kind of banded together and decided that Kalanick needs to go, and he stepped down as CEO. So with Travis gone, are we all good to go back to using Uber? So that's the thing. Some people are wondering, you know, now that Travis is gone and that Uber completed this investigation and they're planning on changing things with the company. This week they added tipping, which was a long-requested feature from drivers that Uber had battled for a long time. People had previously resisted using Uber, decided that they would stop using Uber because of moral problems that they had with the company and the controversy that it was stuck in. So can we use Uber again? Um, Well, it really depends on how you feel about the company. Travis leaving is truly just a cosmetic change. Uber employs an army of contractors that they pay not great wages to and don't offer any benefits at all. That's not changing, and Uber hasn't even considered changing that. Now, Travis isn't the only one that's left or been fired from Uber recently. Uh, There was like 20 people gone within the last couple months. Does that make a dent? Right, so... As part of an internal investigation into Uber led by uh, Obama's attorney general, Eric Holder, 20 people were fired. We don't know exactly why, but it seems to be along the track of harassment. A lot of senior Uber staff has left, a lot of executives. Um, sure, maybe it makes a dent, but it's, I think, more indicative of Uber's failure to stop this culture and to have an adequate HR team that was able to deal with stuff like this. Um, And it took an internal investigation by a former attorney general to root these people out. But the culture that they helped establish is still pervasive. Is that what your argument is? Right. One time I spoke to a senior Uber engineer who was in touch with Kalanick frequently. And he talked about how Travis would kind of build this culture in the company and how oftentimes he would see these mini Travises spring up. And what he meant by that was junior engineers would see Travis, they would see his kind of take-no-prisoners approach to doing business, and they would mimic that, and they would mimic his mannerisms and meetings. And this senior engineer that I spoke to told me it would start to take a toll on people. You know, dealing with Travis is one thing, but dealing with a bunch of mini Travises uh, makes your life a lot more difficult. So with all this in mind, is there like an ethical ride-hailing company? Right. So a lot of people wanted to turn to alternatives. They wanted to still use this ride-hailing thing, which is like if you live in a big city, like I live in New York City, and the subway is screwed up all the time. And sometimes it's much easier to take an affordable car than sit underground in a 100-degree subway. Totally understandable to want to use a car service. But a lot of these services, just about all of them, still have this central problem in that the drivers do not receive any benefits from the company and they're kind of subject to the company's whims as, as their status as a contractor. Um, all of these companies do this. If you want to use Lyft, Peter Thiel, the billionaire Donald Trump surrogate, uh, is an investor. 
Um, so anywhere you turn, you're going to kind of find these ethical quandaries. So really, there's no ethical consumption of car capitalism. Yeah, that sounds about right. Thanks, William. Thanks, Rowan. That concludes The Dispatch. If you're new here and you like the show, we do this every Monday through Thursday. You can subscribe to The World Dispatch on Apple Podcasts or anywhere else you find podcasts. I'm Roland Bishop. More stories on Monday.